This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Mobile hunters, are you looking for a lightweight, comfortable system to hunt out of this season? If you said yes, you should be checking out the Tethered Phantom Saddle. And you might be saying, Clint, how is this thing so comfortable? Well, let me tell you how. Comfort channels. Check. The Comfort channels allows simple one-handed adjustment for leaning trees. gives you full control where you need it most. If you need it in your lower back, you slot into the low comfort channel. If you need it up in, in your in your lower back, or I'm sorry, under your rear end, then you slot it into the low comfort channel. Utila Bridge. Check. You might be saying, hey, what is a, a Utila Bridge? This is a one-hand adjust-on-the-fly bridge system that allows you to kind of find that hunting sweet spot no matter where you hang your tether. Lineman Loops. Check. You might be saying Lineman Loops. Psh, whatever. Overrated, right? Wrong. Lineman root Loops. Lineman Loops. A little bit more rigid to where you can easily find them in, in the dark. I don't know how, how many times I spent time trying to get my carabiner to clip into my Lineman's Loop and just wishing it was just a little bit more sturdy. The Phantom Saddle has you covered there as well. Made in America, 100%. And if that wasn't enough, they just recently came out with the Predator XL platform. This platform is 40% bigger and has improved traction over the current Predator. I hunt out of the current Predator, a little smaller profile. But if you're one of those fellows that's got some big feet, some big boots, you might want to check out the Predator XL. So if you want to learn more about Tethered and all their products, head to tetherednation.com. The first thing I do in the morning before a hunt, before a scout, or just before getting ready for work is have my morning coffee, and I'm sure most of you out there listening are the same. Make sure you're filling your mug with Skull Brew Coffee, as it is the only coffee company that is both 2% for conservation certified and donates 10% of its profits to conservation organizations to help secure the future of our wild places. So head to SkullBrewCoffee.com and choose between three killer roasts of coffee and know that you are supporting conservation with every sip. Welcome to the Truth From The Stand Deer Hunting Podcast brought to you by Skull Brew Coffee Company. I'm your host, Clint Campbell, and you're listening to episode number 189. Today, John and I talk about our plans, goals, and aspirations for the upcoming season, so stay tuned.
right, all right, all right. What is up, everyone? Happy Wednesday to you. Hope you are doing well. Hope you are feeling fine. It is now August, which means that we are fast approaching the uh, the season. And if uh, and if you are behind, uh, I guess this is the time that where, where it's really time to kind of crank and get ready to roll because uh, be a couple turnarounds here in the season will be uh, will be upon us. I have about I don't know exactly how many days it is, but about a month and a half because I think my season comes in. Don't quote me on this because I haven't looked specifically in a few weeks, uh, but I think it's like the 19th of September, maybe um, mid or September. It comes in. Actually, it might be a week later than that, because I think the season comes in like the fifth or something like this year in Pennsylvania, that first Saturday of October. If I'm not mistaken, I might be misremembering this. But anyway, uh, I come in just a couple a couple weeks early here in, in PA in a special regulations unit. So. My season is fast approaching, uh, which means you know it's it's time to kind of start putting the uh, the puzzle pieces together, so to speak. Um, you know, John and I today, what we're going to talk about is really our our goals, dreams, aspirations for the season. We usually do one of these every year around this time. It's a nice kind of kickoff to the season before people's schedules kind of get crazy and and it's hard to get folks on the on on the podcast and so forth. And John has a lot going on this year. We'll talk about all the hunts he has going on. He's got a lot of travel. Uh, happening, you know, and his is really kind of kicking off in in August, if I'm not mistaken, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, so, wanted to make sure that we got this uh, this one in. The one update that I have that we didn't get to talk about on the podcast because it actually just happened yesterday was I did go out and pull a couple uh, additional camera cards. Um, it's <laughs> I have them so spread out all over the place, all over a bunch of different pieces of public that it, it it's really hard for me to kind of make a day out of it. Um, and get it all done in, in, in one day. Uh, so it's, it's half, having to happen over the course of a, of a few weeks. And some of them I probably won't touch for a little while because I've had them, you know, maybe in that spot, you know, last year. But anything that's new this year, I'm having to check just to make sure I'm getting deer on camera. And if you've listened to any of the previous podcasts where I've talked about, you know, the previous camera pools, I've not had anything you know, where it made me kind of jump up and down and say, wow, there was one pool that I had where I th- thought that I'm, you know, there's one, maybe two decent bucks, but it was early. It was like June 15th, June 16th, something like that. Um, and so you could tell two of them had potential, um, but you weren't quite sure, you know, that, that mid June to mid July, uh, or end of July kind of jump is, you know, is really kind of the telltale, um, you know, the month of August, they're not going to put on a ton. They make their, they make their hay really, you know, that, you know, those 30 days in the mid middle of, uh, June to mid July, uh, or end of July, rather, you know, August is really kind of, um, you know, they might, they might grow just a little bit more and might put on an inch or two, but you're not going to see a huge, huge jump. Usually by the end of the July, you're pretty close to having what you're, what you're going to have, um, you know, at, at that point. So there were two deer earlier, you know, the, in an earlier card pool that had potential. And then this most recent card pool, you know, I, I'll say that I've got a lot of bucks on camera that are borderline. Um, you know, I don't have any at this point that I would say are clear kind of standouts. There's a handful, I would say probably after yesterday's pool, there's probably four, um, total that have potential or, you know, might be, might become a, you know, a candidate to eat some carbon, you know, as we get into the season, but we'll have to just kind of have to wait and see. But the one cool thing about yesterday's card pool, um, was it was a brand new piece. There was a bed that I'd found. I talked about it, you know, previously, you know, I think even in the winter, I talked about it whenever I found the bed and I thought it could be a really, really good spot because I thought access would be pretty hard in this spot. And so I ended up, I almost didn't hang a camera here cause I didn't want to get too close to the bed, but then I was like, you know what? I really need to learn 
whether or not they're using it, how often they're using it. Now, I know we have to take all this with a grain of salt because there's going to be a, a shift that's going to occur when they start to shed or when they start to peel their velvet. Um, and then we'll kind of see who's still, you know, sticking around and so forth. But, you know, the good news is this camera that I place is that I have a ton of buck activity on it. Uh, one camera was placed on a community scrape, uh, tons of deer activity, a couple bucks on that one. Uh, but overall, a lot of doe activity around that kind of community scrape licking branch area, which is killer. I was kind of supposing that one was going to be more of a play as you get into, you know, the the pre-rut time frame or whenever they start scraping and stuff like that. So that I think is going to hold true. And then the other camera that I had was closer to that bed and is actually was right underneath. Or I shouldn't say right underneath. It was very close to a white oak tree that had previously dropped acorns because I could see all the you know old acorns on the ground whenever I was scouting. And so, and then after that, I found that bed. And so then I thought, I was like, well, this is a great setup for sometime in October, you know, even outside of there being scrapes and, you know, pre-rut activity where there's a bed there, you know, there's food here. It's super thick, you know, uh, security cover. I just felt like, man, this is a great place for a buck to spend some time before, you know, things really, before the party really gets started. And I wanted to hang a camera there. So I did. And then yesterday I went in. And I don't know, there was probably five, maybe six different bucks and they weren't bachelor groups. They were all kind of separate, you know, they weren't traveling together. And so there was like five, six different bucks that were kind of using this general area. One of them, which was, you know, a borderline shooter. Again, it's, you know, he's probably the best deer I have on camera at this point. So he might be the lucky winner by default. Um, so, uh, you know, I was pretty stoked to, to see that just the fact that it was getting as much activity as it was, there wasn't a scrape there or anything. I was just catching natural buck movement. And at times, you know, I'm sure they're bedding in other places. Like I found the one bed and I had assumed that that was going to be a general bedding area that bucks would probably use at some point. I'm sure there are some doe families, at, you know, somewhere in that, in that cut as well. Um, but there just weren't a ton of does on this particular camera. Like I was definitely getting, you know, I would say for every, for every picture of a doe I got on that camera, I probably got five pictures of a buck, you know, and it was just, it was the same five or six bucks, you know, and some of them, you know, some of them were dinks. They were small. Um, there was the one that was, you know, the really nice, you know, the really nice deer that was borderline. You will just have to see, you know, as the, as things play out where he kind of lands. Um, and then also I'd like to get just a little cleaner, cleaner picture of him. Cause I think I might have him on another camera where I have a better picture of him, but yet it's earlier in the season. And that one kind of shows me, and it's like he, his body's telling me it's like he might be three, he might be two. It's just, it, it's hard to tell. I haven't got a really good look at him yet. So he's one that I'm kind of keeping uh, an eye on. And then there's another one in there um, that looks like he had potential, but probably isn't, um, probably isn't a guy that's going to make the list, uh, make the list this year. So that's what I had going on yesterday. Uh, it was a good, good card pool. It was probably the better one that I've had uh, to this point as far as, you know, getting some velvet deer on uh, getting some velvet bucks on, on camera. And so now I'm slowly starting to make my game plan, um, for how I might hunt that area in and around that bed, because it seems like, you know, I'd probably take my first crack at some point, you know, if I got the right wind and maybe, maybe a cold front comes through, I'd maybe go hunt that bed. It's going to be really tricky to hunt it. Um, the access just isn't, isn't great. It's on the edge of private. So really the only way you can come in from him, uh, to that bed is, from the top, but where it's positioned, you actually have to come in from the top into like the, I guess it's the West. Uh, actually, no, I'm sorry. It's the East. Um, and you have to kind of follow the edge of this cut around, which I don't want to do because that's how the deer are going to, that's how the deer are kind of moving around this, uh, around this area. It's like some of the deer I'm catching on one camera, I'm catching on the other. And it's kind of, 
you know, this little transition area on the edge of this cut that they're following. And so I want to stay away from that because there's a lot of really great movement around that. There's a really a, only a small sliver of a, a, a space where I could possibly access it by hugging the edge of private. Uh, but this piece is kind of butted up against some private. So it's, you know, a little bit difficult to get into um, as of course, I don't want to be jumping over, over the, uh, over, over onto, onto private, you know, I can't do that. So it's, I got to figure out a way to, uh, I got to figure out a way to get in there. So I have to do some more, some more map studying. So that's the plan for now. You know, we'll wait for fall and see what, uh, see what shakes loose. But before we jump into today's podcast, I just want to make mention, you know, before we get this thing kicked off that, as I mentioned previously, my buddies over at Exodus are kicking off their annual Velvet Fest. And if you don't know what their Velvet Fest campaign is, you are missing out. It is the official start to deer season and Exodus helps us get rolling into the uh, summer scouting. I know that when Velvet Fest hits for me personally, you know, as I've mentioned in the past, it, it's, you know, not only should be you be getting your cameras out, but it's time to, you know, do a little bit of inventory checking to see what you got kind of hanging around on those cams. This campaign is going to run from July 31st to August 21st. They'll have some awesome prizes for people who use the hashtag, hashtag VelvetFest on their social channels to share share all their whitetail adventures. Also, if you're in the market for a trail camera, VelvetFest is the perfect opportunity to get ready for the season if you might need a replacement or two. Every single camera order comes with a random prize card that you'll have to scratch off to reveal a prize. I've been told that it includes some pretty killer deals, so you want to make sure to take full advantage of this. To sweeten the pot yet even more, each week they will have a special offer along with a grand prize. Just as a teaser, here is here's the grand prize for each week of Velvet Fest. Week one, it is a 2021 October archery hunt with Steve Shirk Guide Services. And if you don't know Steve, you should check him out. He's been on Trail Cam Radio Podcast. Gets on monsters on the regular. Week two is a shoulder mount from Uran Taxidermy. If you've not checked out this dude's taxidermy, uh, I believe he also did a podcast with uh, on Trail Cam Radio, and I think there's actually even a a video uh, with him as well. Week three is a September archery hunt for this season with Wicked Obsession in Kentucky and a shoulder mount from the national award-winning studio Full Draw Taxidermy. So those are three killer prizes that you won't want to miss out on the opportunity to get in the running for. For any order on the website during the designated week, you'll be automatically entered into purchase uh, with any purchase on the website for the grand prize. There's a lot to this campaign, so you'll want to head over to their website, which is exodusoutdoorgear.com, and make sure you're on their newsletter because there's going to be a lot of opportunities to win some cool stuff. So if you're not familiar, which I'm not sure how you couldn't be at this point with Exodus, uh, over the last five years, Exodus has consistently shown they build quality trail cameras that flat out work, and of course, they have the best trail camera warranty, period. Every single camera is backed by a five-year warranty and comes with a theft and damage coverage. Yep. You heard it right. Five years, literally half a decade, and you'll be covered by the Exodus five-year warranty. But more than likely, you won't need it because their cameras are just built to last. So be sure to take part in this year's Velvet Fest celebration and be sure to tag me in your posts because I want to see what you guys are up to. And with that, we'll go ahead and get rolling into the show with Mr. Johnny by God, Utah. And as always, thank you all for listening. All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of the Truth from the Stand Deer Hunting Podcast, and you will recognize the sultry, dulcet tones of my brother from another mother, Johnny Bucked Up by God, Utah. What's going on, man? What's happening, brother? I, dude, I'm telling you, every intro, it gets better. I know. That's what I'm saying. It's almost like I know what I'm doing. It's, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I was just saying, you know, your lead up for me, I'm like, man. No, I was literally saying, I was literally saying, I'm actually getting better at this. <laughs> like it only took four years. 
figure it out, my God. That's right, man. It's funny because I was actually thinking before we got on, because I, I do this, like before you and I get on, I think about like, okay, what, what nickname am I going to give him for this intro? Because it's become a thing now. It's like every time we do this, <laughs> I have one yeah. for you. And I was like, I should go back through and just try to find like all the different nicknames I've given him along the way and see how many, how many it actually is. It's like, I don't know. It, <laughs> I don't even know how many episodes we've done together. It's it's got to probably be at least like fifty nicknames I've probably given you. Yeah, the, yeah. You know, That's funny over the course of two years. So it's actually a thing. So it's like you're permeating my thoughts prior to the podcast. Like I don't think about what questions we're going to talk about or what we're going to discuss. Like that's like eh, whatever. But I'm always like, all right, what's the intro going to be this time? It's got to be yeah, good. Yeah. The important stuff. Right. It's all about the intro, man. It's like first impressions, dude. You mm-hmm. just got to kill it at the start and then we can suck the rest of the hour, hour and a half. It doesn't matter. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but uh, how you been, man? You been good, dude? Yeah. Yeah. It's been good. It's a um, little bit of a, uh, I guess you can call it a little bit of a down, you know, downtime off season or whatever. So right. just been getting a lot of stuff done, trying to, um, I mean, even just things around the house, yeah. you know, keep mama happy, get the honeydew list done. Yeah. Um, we've got landscaping now. Yeah. That. yeah it's kind of a thing. Yeah. Li- living, <laughs> living like the other side, man. Nice. Like, right. I had the same There's, thing. It's we had, Genesis. that's right, dude. I had, uh, this past week, I think it was just all this past week, actually. Actually, no, it was all last week and the weeks are all running together we had a, a brand new fence put in because mine was like mm-hmm. an, an old fence from the old fellow that we bought the house from. And I was trying to get it to hang on for one more year. Cause it was just in bad shape. Like the gate had fallen apart and I had like put together like a janky gate to keep my dog in. And I was trying to get one more year after it. And this winter I realized it probably wasn't going to happen because the weight of like a two inch snowfall, like collapsed, like part of it. <laughs> or that's all she's got. <laughs> yeah. That was it. And I was like, all right, it looks like that's going to happen this year. So we got, it looks nice. I just wasn't wanting to do it quite yet this year. And uh-huh. then, we had like new ceiling fans installed in our house because our house is older, right? And uh, I mean, it was built in like the 60s, I think, or like 63 or something like that. And uh-huh. so there's no ceiling fans in the entire place. And so yep. we're used, especially for as long as we lived in Orlando, you know, it's like it, we're used to having ceiling fans because every house down there has them. Um, yep. You know, and uh, and we have some square footage too. And it was just like it needed, the AC needed some help with circulating the air and stuff like that. So. So the honey do list is moving along, but I can't say I did any of it. Cause she was like, you know, you're going to do any of this. And I was like, nah, we're going to hire someone to do that. Like, <laughs> it was like uh-huh. I was like, if you want it done within like the next three months, we should probably just get someone to do it. I was like, cause, <laughs> cause yeah. you know, between work, checking trail cameras, getting ready for deer season. I was like that I, I need lower hanging fruit. Like you need to have lower expectations of me yeah. is, is the reality of it. That's but, too funny. Yeah, yeah. She was, man, my, my wife, she was on my back and, She's like, you, we need got to get this done. And I'm like, we'll get it. We'll get it. And she goes, if it's not done by, you know, mid-August, it ain't happening until next year. I'm like, yeah, good point. So, yeah, yeah exactly. Because oh, your, well. your year kind of cranks up at mid-August. And we're going to get into all that. So I think yeah. for the folks out there listening, I think what the plan is for today, John, if you're cool about it, I think we're going to do our annual kind of hunt prep you know, what we got going on, what our plans are for this year. Because now okay. you know, we, we've mentioned them in the past, like throughout the year. But, you know, at this point, like they should be, you know, we're solidified in what we're going to be doing and then yep. um, talk about the goals for each state or each hunt that we're on. You know what we hope to accomplish, you know, what are maybe some dream scenarios and then always the fun kind of like what's the obstacle like the un- what's the unanticipated obstacle that you're almost anticipating? 
you know, I figure we'll talk about that too, to see if there's any barriers or anything we can kind of come up with that might throw a wrench in our plans. So for sure, I guess first to start, man, you know, we'll start with what you have left. Like, where are you at in your preparation? Like, are you, you feeling good about where you're at? Like, is there still things that you have to do or you cram into the last minute? Like what's your setup? Yeah. I mean, because of the way my travel is going to start off earlier this year, I'm not going to be in Iowa, you know, during August and, um, or all of August and September to kind of get ready for that October one opener. So I've actually been ahead of schedule and trying to get as much done as I can. So when I do come back here to start the opener, you know, the majority of my stuff is done. Uh, the one thing that I will be lacking is, um, finding time to, to get some cameras set up on some scrapes. Cause right. I do like to get that immediate, you know, really fresh, uh, inventory, but I've got, uh, I've got my food plot looking really good right now. I know you're and, all jazzed about that, man. Like I think almost every time we've talked, not yeah. on the podcast, like you've mentioned how, how good it's looking. Yeah. It's been unbelievable. It's, it's kind of like, what do they say? Like the plumber always is the guy with the leaky toilet. Yeah. <laughs> the guy with the horticulture degree has the worst food plot. <laughs> right. Um, but this year I, I went, I went back clover from you know from don and those guys at real world and and man just they killed it it's awesome it turned out really really good um obviously you know it's a high quality seed but also that property just so many years and years and years of planting and just getting organic matter into that soil right yeah really improved my soil quality as well so i think the culmination of that and having rain hit the right, you know, at the right times when I planted and, and that kind of stuff. So I can't, I can't take all the credit. It was a lot of mother nature and, right, right. You know, and other people's uh, good seed blends that, that helped me. Right. Yeah, for sure, man. It's like, it, there's nothing more critical than timely rain whenever you're doing food plots. I mean, that will just make or break you no matter what it is. I mean, the one thing I always liked about Clover whenever I was doing plots at the family piece um, was that it was a, uh, it was really, um, I'm trying to figure out how to say it. it was really hardy, I guess is one way to put it. Like it was pretty, yeah. it was pretty resilient. Like it would, you know, it, it would take a lot to like for it to completely fail. You could maybe have a scenario where it maybe doesn't come in as good as you would like, but yeah. anytime I've done a clover plot, it's, it's always been pretty good. You know what I mean? Like I've never yeah. had one that was just like garbage. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 And you know, and I, I also was really, when I moved to Iowa, I thought, man, soybeans, corn. So I had this thing in my head, like I was going to compete with all of the ag bean fields. Right. Yeah. There's a lot (laughs) out there. (laughs) I lost miserably, you know? So, um, and you and I, we've talked about this before where sometimes the, the low hanging fruit Mm -hmm. is actually the thing you need to do. Right. And I'm like, just go with clover. It's easier to grow. I've got the equipment that I need to do it. And it's not something that, every farm in Iowa has. Right. So, uh, that, that's kind of, yeah, that's kind of why I went with Clover. Right. And the other thing you and I were talking about, and we'll get into like specific deer and trail camera inventory here in a minute. But the other thing you and I were talking about the other day was just the fact that what you mentioned where you have Clover, not every farm in Iowa has it. And there's mm-hmm. a particular deer that always kind of moves off of like your, your property yeah. that you've been hunting. Right. Yeah. And the cool thing is, is like beans, around that October timeframe or whatever, like those start to turn, right. And they start to become undesirable and stuff like that. And maybe even earlier, I'm not exactly sure. I think they turned just a little earlier here, but, um, 
but that clover was still is still going to be a green food source as long as you don't get like a crazy frost. Like you should be pretty good. I mean, my sort my clover around here has lasted to like almost up to like November in some seasons where we had like abnormally warm Octobers, you know, yeah, where yeah, we might've had yeah. a light frost and it killed some of it, but like some of it survived or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. so you should have a, a, a good green food source, like at least through the early part of the season, if not even into the, 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 you know, as a lead up into pre-rut. Exactly. And that's because of the way my schedule um, is going to play out this year. I, I normally would not hunt really hard those first two weeks of October. And then once we get to mid October and then I'm, I start watching the weather Mm -hmm. and I'm just kind of waiting for those cold fronts to come in, you know, at the end of October. But like I said, with the schedule this year, I actually need to try to, and want to try to capitalize in those first couple of weeks of the year. So that's another reason where the clover, like you pointed out, the clover is going to, play into into this year's plan a little bit and there's a buck that i really want to kill this year that seems to vanish you know right around the end of september so i'm hoping maybe i can keep him a little bit longer and maybe get an arrow in him um before he gets wild and and search you know spread his wings around yeah exactly yeah, exactly cool man well i mean i think my my prep you know I, i've got all my cameras out like i was actually ahead of the game with that stuff this year um you know, so I'm feeling pretty good about that. I'm just getting ready to do like my first camera pools. You know, I just took an out of state trip and did some and hung some additional cameras, but for the PA ones. You yeah, know, I, you you hooked up with with Chad and those guys from Exodus. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Hooked up with Sylvester and we did a little out of stater and uh, put out some put out some cameras and have some yep. really high hopes for that for that spot. And then around PA, I've had a, a couple that have been soaking just for about a month, and I pulled them just about a week ago. Two decent. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll get into inventory in a second, but you know two decent bucks on that one. Um, and then I've got probably seven more all out on public that I need to go check probably this coming weekend. I'm probably going to get out and check those or cool. at least, at least half of them. Cause a bunch of these places are brand new. And so I need to go, I usually don't like to check them that often, or even if I know it's in a good spot, it's like there's one in an area that I've hunted a couple different times where it's like, I know where I need to put the camera. And if there are any deer in there worth killing, I'll, I'll put I'll have him on camera. And so yeah, I don't even yep. need to walk in until I'm going to try to go hunt it and have the right wind. And I'll check, check the camera when I get there. But a bunch of these spots are brand new to where I don't even know if I'm on the right freaking like, in, in the right area. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, it's like, yeah. I'm, is this the right trail? Are they using this travel corridor? Or are they not? Cause it, there's no food sources around. So I've really been kind of playing scrapes early. Like I actually have one spot that where they were still hitting the licking branch whenever I went to hang that camera in May. And then I, on that oh. same camera, I had them hit the licking branch in, in freaking June and July. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yep. it's like, it's just an area that they're continuing to communicate. And so I even still like made mock scrapes and stuff like that this time of year, just to try to get them to communicate, get them to stop and knowing that it's not going to be fully useful for, you know, quite a while yet, but in lieu yeah. of not having, you know, a food source or something like that to where I can get inventory, I was trying to, you know, make, make make a scenario, you know, for which I could, you know, grab some, some inventory, even if it's just a fleeting picture once I know there's a good deer in the area and then maybe figure out where he transitions. So, and then, for sure. then the big thing for me is just finishing up the trailer, finishing up the the travel trailer, you know, to yeah. get that all seaworthy and, and ready to go, which it's almost there. I think I just got like the, I think I got the solar to put in and a window to put in and like all the big stuff will be done except for laying like the floor. But like uh-huh. the, in, the installation stuff at that point will be will be done, and so I'm hoping 
that I'm done by the end of July is kind of the goal. Cool. Yeah. So, and that's all I really have left to do, man. So I'm, I'm pretty good. Is And it seems like for all the travel and stuff you've got going on, like you're pretty, you're in a pretty good spot too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I really was, um, you know, as hard as it was to keep working when I would come home, um, I really tried to stay on top of it. Just again, not knowing what the year was going to do and how things were going to unfold. But I also knew that I had a pretty busy schedule, you know, for the fall. So in between my travel trips, I would try to come home and get another camera out or mess with my food plots or get some mineral out or something. And, and uh, I went through and checked all of my permanent stands um, and retrimmed those out a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. They're solid, hung a new set a couple weeks ago, which I'll have to show you on a, on a map. Um, I finally got a stand where I needed to have a stand for the last three years. Is it I've, down in that jungle bush? That's like in that one. Is that the spot? Uh, no. So I'm actually, I'm up the hill from that spot. Okay. Um, but it's where they will ultimately go. Right. Um, just entirely too thick. Mm-hmm. down in there. Um, but, uh, this is a spot where I've literally just, I've watched bucks come out during the rut and push does along this, uh, along this tree line and they do it every year. And, uh, I went over there, uh, you know, mutual friend, my buddy, Billy and I, we went down there and we kept looking at all these different trees and we're like, that literally is the only tree like, right. And actually it should actually, it could work, you know what right. I mean? So we got in there and got to trimming and it was like, Oh, this is money. I mean, it's going to be a 35 yard shot. It right. will be the minimum. Right. Um, so every shot's going to be like 35 to probably 50. Right. Uh, for this spot, but, uh, it's, it's killer. I'm excited about it. It, after we hung it, I got up in the tree and I'm like, I actually might not hunt another stand on farm. Right. Like this might be it. Right. <laughs> yeah. There's yep. a, there's a spot like that in the one out of state piece that, uh, it's actually a ground setup that I'm just like super mm-hmm. stoked on. It's, it's over a scrape that gets used. Sylvester has hunted it in the past, probably, I want to say three years ago, that general area. And he was maybe 50 yards down from this and he heard just two bucks, just like getting after it, like whooping each other's ass. And he was like, is that, what yeah. is that sound? And then when he was coming out, like he came out a little early and he was just like, dude, there was like, you know, like a wrestling mat size, like the circle in the, or in a wrestling mat size, just like uh-huh. looked like two like full grown men just spent 30 minutes beating the shit out of each other in a circle. And it's just like the ground was all tore up and stuff like that. So it's a pretty good spot. And then we actually checked out this bench system that was below it and ended up finding a buck bed. And I'm assuming it's a rut bed because it is literally six, mm-hmm. 60 yards downwind. If he had a south wind, he'd be able to scent check that and then and everything from the valley, you know, or everything from the, the draw below him. And be able to kind of right, play, play right. both sides in the morning. So I'm like, that to me on the right wind, like a buck will be bedded there. And it just depends on if it's the right deer or whatever the case is. So I'm looking forward to that setup because I would, in this area that we, you know, we're spending some time, like there's some, there's some giant deer in this area. And I was like, man, I would love to be on the ground at like 12 yards with like 170 inch deer. Like I would, I'd maybe poop myself. You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, I think a lot of people. Would. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, dude, I'll take a, I'll take something smaller. Like I don't care. Like on the ground, I'm like, whatever, like my standards go down real quick on the ground. You know, they look bigger at that point when you're that close, but 
So yeah. any uh, any new gear that you're in, you know implementing this year, dude? Because I know you know you and I will we're always kind of tweaking stuff and you know trying to up our game. Is there something that's going to help me out a little bit more, or do I need to swap something out? So what's what's your uh, what's your game there? Is there anything new you're adding to the arsenal? Uh, I'm trying to think what what all I've added this year. Let's see. I've I've added some stuff on the food side. Right. Um, Heather's Choice and and Peak um, Refuel and um, and actually Fat Bombs. Um, Dude, Fat Bombs are the the jam. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, I'll be running all all of that stuff. That's that's going to be you know again in past seasons. I mean, there wasn't as many traveled hunts like there is this year, and and right. so this year that was something I had never really had to worry about too much. But right. um, so, anyways. Uh, got some new food stuff to take out and, um, hell we'll go ahead and make this the podcast where I make this announcement. Um, <laughs> going to be running all Kufaru, uh, packs this year. Nice. That's sweet. Making a change, uh, making a switch over from mystery ranch to Kufaru. And, um, you know, I've always said people first product second, but they both got to be fucking awesome. Yeah. yeah. And, um, so there you have it. Yeah. That's, uh, Awesome. Time to make some changes. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I mean, Kafaro makes killer gear, man. I mean, as far as like durability and just like usability, functionality, like it just the stuff yep. will last for. I mean, you could buy you could, whatever packs you're using this year, you would be able to use twenty years from now. You know, just exactly. in, ter- in terms of their quality. You know, it's they do a really good job of you know testing their stuff and using high quality gear and making sure that it's going going to last and i and i know that yep. you you know that's what you always kind of look for as you mentioned you know people first product second but they both both better be really good you know yep. but you know i know that you like to use quality gear right it's like that's the one yep. thing that you, you know if you're serious about whether you're travel hunting or not especially if you're travel hunting though it's like your gear cannot fail you you know because right. you're however far from home, you know, you don't have an opportunity to fix X, yeah. Y, and Z or, or go get a new or whatever the case is. It's like, yeah, you should better work, you know what I mean? Or it better yeah. be pliable enough to where it's like, you can manage it and get it to do what it needs to do, even when it's broken. <laughs> exactly. Well, and, and like, you know, you get out there on those, on those hunts and you know, it's, you're tired there. The days are long, your body's fatigued, uh, depending on how the hunt's going. I mean, it might not be going as, according to plan and you know yes it goes without saying we all love to be outdoors and enjoy the experience but man some of those hunts can grind you know and and if you if you're having gear problems that just adds to it Mm -hmm. um so nonetheless whenever your gear is performing as it should and it's doing what it's supposed to do um it makes you feel better and you know, when I'm out on those hunts too, I mean, the, the brands that I work with that help support what I do, um, you know, I want to perform well for them as well. Yeah. So I kind of, I want to back up that investment that they made in me. So, um, it, it's a whole lot easier to push yourself harder when you really want to do well for those brands, you yeah. know, as well. So, um, so that's, that's, that's one change that I've got this year. Um, but everything else, I mean, the staple brands, you know, right. Diamondback and Grizzly, Sitka, Prime, yep. Ozonix, Luminoc, um, the Crispy. Old, the old faithful standbys. Yeah, exactly. Exodus. Yeah. So, um, 
so that's pretty cool that you know we're we're running the same trail camera and stuff yeah. now and i know and it was always even, it was always iffy before in the past when we were when we would start talking about trail camera pictures because it was like you worked with another brand and it was like you yeah know, and it's yeah. i i never cared it wasn't you know and chad and those guys didn't either because it was just you know we're all sure. we've all been friends for forever but it was yeah. always kind of weird, you know what I mean? Yeah. But for yeah, sure. I never, and, cause I, yeah, I mean, I never wanted to mention the name of the past company, you know, and I'm like out of respect for you and your platform and stuff. But, uh, so that definitely makes it a whole lot nicer that, you know, we can openly talk about Exodus trail cameras. <laughs> exactly. Um, but, um, and also there's a couple of other brands that, you know, we, we both work with, you know, Maven, yep. um, as well. So yep. Yeah, I just um, got some. I just got some. That was one of the new pieces of gear that I that I added. You know, it was uh, um, was able to have a really cool conversation with some of those folks, and we had you know we had those guys on you know a couple yeah, months ago. Yeah, Mike was on. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. He, I saw a picture of him actually on Instagram. He's a rock climbing fool, man. You see that? He is. Dude. Yeah. He <laughs> it's is. like I was like, that's bananas, man. I, but yeah, yeah. So He's I just like Spider Man. He is, dude. I, I I couldn't do it, man. I I like adventure and I like adrenaline and all, but you know, in 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 doses in which I think I'll survive that I don't think that I'd make it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. But uh, yeah, I picked up some of their glass. Um, yeah, got a set of I think B one ten to ten to forty twos is what I'm what mm-hmm. I'm rocking for those. Um, really looking forward to Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal: develop high quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com um, Getting those out in the uh, in the glassing arena of uh, trying to trying to catch some velvet. There's one spot specifically that I can kayak into that I want to glass from. And so yep. that's the spot that I'm really kind of looking forward to. And I know they got a spotter coming out too, which is really cool. Um, you know, whether you're glassing or whether you're, you know, going out West or whatever, the, whatever the case is. Um, so that's the one thing that I added new, a couple updates with like, just like the, uh, general gear, just because I know we had, you know, we had Chris on from Sitka, you know, and we talked a bunch about packs. And so I really dig the, the, the tool belt pack, like, and that's probably what I'm going to be running as like my primary pack this year. Um, just cause yep. it fits that low profile saddle kind of setup that I like. And, uh, mm-hmm. I might switch to one of the bigger ones as we get into maybe later season and I need to take some layers or whatever the case is, you know, but I think the start, you know, that's what I'm going to, that's what I'm going to use. But for me, it's, you know, the same things that I've been, been using, just maybe some newer versions, you know, Tether came out with a new phantom saddle using that, of course, you know, standby with broadheads, you know, they worked well for me last year. Um, you know, when I shot the day six broadheads and, and I killed my eyeball buck with that deer or with that broadhead. So Yep. It's got a little magic in it because uh, it was some fourth quarter magic with that. So, and Brian's just a good dude, so I'm always happy to you know use his products and and, and support him. But otherwise, yep. man, it's like you know I, I've I let me ask you this, man. There, there's been a ton of different sticks come out, right? And yeah, you know what I mean. It's like and I keep looking at them, and like the gear nerd of me is like looking at it, going man, I would really like to get a new set of sticks, like regardless of whose sticks they are. Cause there's been, you know, a handful of companies recently that have, that have put out, you know, short sticks and, and different combinations. And yep. every time I look at them, I always look at them and I'm like, I don't, they're not going to be any better than the mod that the modified sticks that I made last year that I hunted all year with. And I like the way that they nest together and they fit what I need them to do. And I'm like, I just can't bring myself to buy a new set. Cause I don't know that they're going to do anything earth shattering for me. You know what Correct. I mean? Yeah. 
You know, so what what are your feeling on all like the all the all the new sticks? Are you intrigued by any of them, or are you are you kind of in the same boat as me, where it's like, eh, you know, I'm I'm good. I I like innovation, mm-hmm. um, as you and I, you know, I'm I'm sure I know we both do. Um, but if you're going to innovate, let's really innovate. Yeah, you know what I mean. And again, it's a climbing stick. There's not a lot you can do with it. So what ends up happening in today's digital world? capitalist world right is you can either reinvent you know the wheel or you can come up with a mousetrap or you can come up with a better mousetrap mm-hmm. um but then you're forced to win the market right it's kind of what it comes down to so um i have seen some small advancements you know in the sticks and a lot ideally the two stick or the mm-hmm. shorter stubbies or whatever you want to call them and that's cool um, you know, for my style, I do like climbing sticks just cause I prefer them. I, I like, um, I like what they, the purpose that they serve and I don't want to have a big ladder and that kind of thing. But right. as far as running gun stuff, you know, I, I've got some XOP stuff and I've got some custom gear stuff. Um, I'm not a saddle guy. I know, I know that you're, you're a saddle guy. And, and and I've said this before on your platform and on several others. I'm going to shoot my bow in my free time mm-hmm. or I'm going to take more photos instead of spending time doing mods to to shave an ounce or two ounces here. Right. I'll just go do more curls. Right. I'll just go bench press more. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Exactly. You know, I'm the same. I mean, I made those modifications because I wanted something a little bit smaller for me. But once I did that, it was like there I don't there's no other stick kind of adaptation that I need at this point. Like I built I've made exactly. something to fit what I needed it to be. And then from there yep. it's like unless someone creates something that's just completely out of this world, I think you'd be yeah, it'd be a really hard sell to get me to change what I've what I'm using because it just it works. It doesn't fail. Like there's nothing on it that's gonna break. Like it's just you know what I mean? And that's probably more my thing is like whenever I'm using gear, even when I was building the trailer. You know, like I didn't run wiring and stuff like that. Like I, I'm using like stick up lights and, you know, cause what I'm trying to reduce is like the amount of stuff that can break. Cause I want to hunt, not uh, fix stuff huh. when I'm on these trips, you know? And so, right. and yeah. so, cause you know, people would ask me like, why didn't you run wiring and like run power and like to your solar generator and stuff like that. I was like, because I don't feel like working on it when I come home from hunting. If some, if I have a short somewhere or whatever, you know, I was like, I want to just plug it in and know it's going to work because I want to go to bed cause I'm back up early tomorrow morning to grind again, you know? Yeah. And yeah. And so that's kind of where I'm at. It's like the more I get my stuff dialed in and I get comfortable with what I have, the less and less. And it's even one of those things too, where it's like, you know, when I work with, you know, like I, I work with tethered, right. Great example. And I love their saddles, but whenever they came mm-hmm. out with the phantom, they're like, you know, they were sending me, you know, a phantom to try and stuff like that. You know, truth be told, it's like, I was apprehensive about it because I got my, my fur, my mantis saddle dialed in and I loved it. And I had it set up to where it's like, when I got into a tree, I was comfortable. Right. And so I was like, mm-hmm. man, this new saddle, I'm gonna have to get used to it. Like, is it going to work for me? Am I going to like it? You know what I mean? Cause it's like, you're always like, cause you, you like the guys, like you were saying, it's people first product second. And I love those dudes. And so it's like, when yep. you make something, it's like, you don't want to be like, dude, I'm, it's great that you made a new thing, but it's like, I'm going to use the old one. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I was, it's just yep. fortunate that it's baller. So it's like, I didn't have a problem transitioning, but I'm always apprehensive when new gear comes out and I'm being asked to make a switch or whatever. It's always kind of a, a little bit of a, a tense moment. 
Exactly. Yeah. You know, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, you know, same thing with with backpacks. Yeah. It's one of the things that I'm the only thing I'm not looking forward to this year is, you know, I blindfolded. I could go in a tree and I know where everything is in, what what pocket it's in. And I right. know how I pack my gear and all that kind of stuff. So this year there's going to be a little bit of a education time where I'll just spend some time in the basement and pack gear, unpack gear, see how I like for it to ride, what's yep. going to not make noise and what's going to be accessible when I need it and that kind of stuff. So yeah. a little bit of a learning curve there, but yeah. it's okay. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and, and, yeah. And you have, I mean, from a, because you do some cell, I mean, you do a, a lot of self filming. I shouldn't say some, you do a lot of self filming, mm-hmm. right? It's like, you know, you sometimes yeah. have a camera guy with you, but you do a fair amount of self filming to where it's like, you're carrying additional gear. So a pack for you is that much more important because it's not just taking the stuff you need for the hunt. It's taking stuff yeah. that you need for your job as well. Yeah. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? So exactly. It's like, yeah. And, uh, and then, you know, sometimes I'll even try to have it set up where I've got two packs. So I have one pack for what I'm going to need whenever I have a camera guy. And then I try to have a pack set up to where it's everything that I need and can hold what I need when I'm self filming. Right. Um, now, Someday, if I'm financially able, I'd love to have camera gear separate and have two of everything. And, you know, right. so I can just grab and go. But, yeah, it's not it's probably not going to happen. Anytime. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Well, you'll get there, man. Like it's baby yeah. steps, baby steps. Yeah, that's right. That's All right. right. So let's move to the next topic, man. So let's talk a little trail camera inventory. Like, I, you know, I have some that I can talk about because I've not pulled a ton of cameras. I have some that I can talk about from you know, some out of state stuff that we pulled in like February. So we know what's around, you know, type of thing. Um, but where are you at with your, with your inventory? How are things looking? You got some, you got some prospects. Yeah. So, um, there was a, there was an antler that I picked up in shed season on my, on on my lease. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, there was this tiny little triangle, which is like right there where we parked the truck and we were hanging out that one day and you were eating your like, granola and dates or whatever it was you had pre-packed that morning. <laughs> and, um, so the woods just off to our left, it's just a tiny little triangle. Um, and I'm, I pulled in there one day and I didn't have a lot of time to shed hunt, but I, I knew that I had enough time to cover that little four section. So I'm like, I've never found a shed in there before. I'm not even going to take my backpack. So all I had is my cell phone in my pocket right? and I go walking through the timber and lo and behold, there's a shed and it's a, it's a good shed. So I filmed it with my iPhone, you know, and that's what with the footage we ended up using in my, my shed cat episode. But I pick up the shed and it's just giant, giant base. Um, but it had a lot of bones still attached to it. And I thought, man, look, like he ripped this one out. You know what I mean? So you, you always wonder like, how's the deer going to grow the next year? Is that going to affect anything? Mm-hmm. But, um, anyways, um, threw the shed on the, on the mantle and didn't really think a whole lot about it. Got some cameras running this year. And I was like, Oh sweet. Like there's this buck again that I had last year in velvet. And then I'm like, ah, can't get too excited because he vanished last year, you know, after he went right. hard horn and never saw him again. And, um, and then I got, I've gotten some more pictures of him. So he's still, he's still coming to the food plot and still hitting the mineral site and all that kind of cool stuff. And I was sitting in my office the other day and I keep my sheds in my office. And, and I was, I was telling you this story, uh, the other night 
I kind of zoned out for a little bit. I look over and I'm looking at this shed and I'm like, man, look at the base on that shed. I'm like, man, he's got double brows too. And then all of a sudden it was like, ding, a light bulb. I'm like, that's the freaking buck I'm watching on the same farm. I don't know why I never put two and two together. Right. But um, so anyway, so yeah, it's cool to see that he's back around. He should be five this year. Um, he was a hammer I last have. year too, man. Yeah, yeah, he's a good, solid deer. Last year, I was mad that he vanished on me, and uh, who knows? Like we talked about, maybe with him being a little bit older, maybe that home range will shrink down a little bit, and maybe yeah. he'll stay on my piece. Maybe the clover might keep him around a little little longer this year, Uh, so I'm hoping. He should be the big dog. I mean, Mm -hmm. uh, there's a buck I call Dagger Mm -hmm. that, um, to my knowledge, did not get killed last year. I did see him late, late, late season. Um, from afar. So I feel fairly confident that he made it through. And then of course there's this buck, um, that I'm now calling Tyson. So, um, what do you think he's going to go this year? Uh, I guess let me ask this. What, what do you think he was last year? So last year looking at him, I think he was 145 but he had double brows. So very well could have scored 155 last year. Uh, 155 on a 45 frame um this year from the trail camera pictures so comparing this year's trail cams to last year's trail cams at the same time of the year it's unbelievable really uh what what he's done as far as growth so he's so much so further ahead this year um than where he was last year is he just putting on inches or is he putting on more frame no, uh, well, it, it does look like he did grow a little wider, um, not a lot, but where he noticeably has packed on the size is the mass. Really, man. I mean, just extreme noticeable mass. So, I mean, he had like yeah, he had like Louisville Slugger baseball bats at his bases, like already. Oh yeah, you know what I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. So that's that's the the target again. You know, dagger. I never get pictures of dagger until November anyways. Right. Yeah. Yep. But then I have him all November, you know what I mean? So, um, so I'm not too worried that I haven't gotten pictures of him yet. I don't think he lives on me. Um, I think he just comes and parties with my dose. Right. Yes. (laughs) Hey, you'll uh, take, you'll take it. Right. It's like, Oh, I'll take volunteer bucks all day long. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Is there any any other prospects, you know, you running cameras any, anywhere else out in the public or anything that you're keeping tabs on? So, you know, this is the first year that I haven't actually run any cameras on public. I have my public spots that I am very comfortable Mm -hmm. in the terrain and the flow. Um, and I just haven't put any cameras out there this year. Uh, I would like to say that I'll probably take a day right. and I'll slide out there to public and um, and I'll put some stuff out there just to just to kind of get a and some eyeballs on on what's what's over there. But um, I think it's time to move my public land spot a little bit. Mm-hmm. And in all honesty, what I might do, Clint, is I might do go and just do a run and gun blind set. I mean, I kind of know the area that I want to go to. Right. And. I think that's probably what's going to happen. Like I'm probably just going to go in blind this year and, and hunt the terrain instead of hunting trail cameras. Yeah. I love it, man. Like I, I don't know where you're planning to head, but like where I ended up killing that deer and had that encounter over there by, by that water. It's like, I would, uh, I would give you a vote for that, that direction. Cause it was just, it was just tore. I mean, you saw it cause you helped me drag. Oh yeah. It's like, it was just tore up, you know? So, yeah, I'm, 
I'm not so convinced that when you walked out to meet me at the trailhead, that bucks hadn't hit the scrapes that you just walked past. I, I and I wouldn't, I would not disagree with you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was unbelievable. I mean, I'm like, this is fresh, fresh. Like this was like done in the last hour or so. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would definitely go check that out. Cause I mean that the one that I missed is still there hypothetically, you know, as long as he didn't get killed during gun season or, or late archery, you know? Yeah. And yep. he was, he was a hammer last year. He'll be, you know, he should be that much better this year. So exactly. Yeah. But yeah, I might, I might need to get that pin from you. Yeah. Yeah. I'll definitely send you those. <laughs> I was going to say, don't hold it for four more years. Yeah, exactly. I ain't going to hold it. It's like, I'll, I'll definitely send it to you, man. I think for I'm me, I'm going to come hunt him as a nine year old. Yeah, exactly. And I'll miss him twice again. It'll be awesome. You know, it'd be that much worse. <laughs> oh shit, man. So for me, man, trail camera inventory, I alluded to it a little bit earlier. I have to go pull, pull some cameras. Um, yep. there's two potential, you know, shooters on this one water access piece that I, that I have for, for Pennsylvania. You know, it's, a, it's one of those things like I yep. hang my cameras high all the time and I kind of set them off whatever the object is. And so I don't always get a real good look at how, how big something is just because of the distance. I'm usually from like a scrape or whatever. And just this one's set up to where that just happened to be the only tree that was going to give me the, the angle that I needed or whatever. Um, but there looks sure. like there's two. Two that are in there that are that are that have really good potential. There's one spot that is also water access that I just a bunch of scrub bucks, but like it's just littered with does. And so I actually thought the opposite. I actually thought that the spot that had all the does was going to have the buck activity early season because it's close to a food source. And then the spot that I had the the bucks on camera, I actually thought it wouldn't even come into close to being in play until like pre rut because it's just like a primary a primary scrape area up against uh, up against bedding cover. But it's yeah. actually it's actually the opposite, which I was kind of surprised by, and then uh, and then the 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 truck camera inventory from the the one out of state piece is um it, it's just bonkers like you know what I mean like it it's like I, I've never seen or had the opportunity to hunt deer like that before like that caliber so I'm really pumped about that I mean we're talking you know some that are you know anything from like 150 and, and up is what we're is what we're seeing on the cameras out there which For is sure. which is you know pretty slamming. Um, but that's really it. You know, I'll, I'll know a little bit more about the inventory, you know, inventory this year, but, um, I think at this point, man, we should just kind of transition and start talking about what hunts we have going on this year. So, you know, it's always yeah. kind of a, a variable throughout the year as we're, as we're planning, some stuff gets canceled, some stuff schedules don't line up or whatever the case is. So what, what hunts are you doing this year? So unfortunately I'm not going to get to go to Canada this year. Um, the border, uh, closure got extended to August 21st and I was set to leave here on August 15th, um, to head to Canada. So, um, with looking at the way things are right now, I actually anticipate them closing the border another month, you know, after that. So nonetheless, uh, Black bear in Ontario is not going to happen. And so my first hunt will be Montana, uh, public land down in Southeast Montana, around that Broadus area. Mm -hmm. Um, go chase antelope with the bow. And probably that's going to be like August 27th is probably when I'll probably try to head out of here, you know, take the day drive there. Um, the goal is to make it there with enough time to find a good spot to set up camp for the first night. Right. And, and then get out the next morning and, you know, nice. start pounding. Um, I will go straight from Southeast Montana. Ideally on my way from Montana to Kentucky, 
I'll make one detour at my taxidermist in yeah, Iowa. Right. <laughs> um, you know, positive thinking, right? right exactly. Thinking. Exactly. Um, then head on down to central Kentucky and I'm going to hunt with my buddy Tevis, uh, with whitetail heaven outfitters. He's been trying to get me to come down there and hunt with him for several years. And, um, you know, again, it's not a situation where he's going to give me a guide to, to handhold me, but he's going to say, here's a property that you can go hunt. We've got tree stands on it. This is where the tree stands are, or you can go hang your own stuff, um, Do and have all. a ball. Yeah. So just going to kind of waive the trespass fee, so to speak. Right. And so I'm going to go down there and hunt with those guys. They do a really good job um, of managing the deer that they have. A lot of their farms are 130 farms. Some of them are 150 farms. Um, so, you know, I don't get to pick necessarily the farm. They're right. going to pick me a farm and I'm going to try to make the best out of it, you know, right. while I'm there. So uh, I am excited about that going back to home state and have a have an opportunity, at, you know, possibly being able to to shoot a you know velvet buck right how many days uh, how many days are you gonna have there um i actually told them that i would be there like five days but mm -hmm. it's it's open i don't okay. have anything immediately following that hunt nice so i could stay seven eight days so if, if you're on you something know, you know chasing something around you can extend it if you need to yeah yeah nice. exactly cool. yep so uh so that's cool there's no time limit on that and i'll come back home and this is where things get tricky. I have a spot reserved. So September 19th to the end of the month, I kind of have that reserved um, to go to Idaho. Idaho, and that was going to be a hunt with crispy boots uh, on a public piece out there in southeast Idaho. Idaho sold out their tags. They had like 1,800 tags on one day. And then the next day they had zero. Jeez. They've never, ever, ever sold out of over-the-counter tags, ever. Good Lord. Um, but uh, I guess it's not technically over-the-counter if it's kind of a cap unit, but it's kind of over-the-counter. Um, but anyways, this the cap unit, they, they sold out completely. So I was like, well, crap, what am I going to do? Right. Well, did a little bit of research, talked to some buddies. Wyoming um, release their tags a little bit later than they normally do. Mm -hmm. So we're thinking maybe people bought Idaho tags just in case they don't draw Wyoming. Idaho is also a state that you can sell your tags back if you uh, don't use them. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you have a cutoff. I think it's like August 1st is your, is your cutoff, but, right. um, so they, w there should be some leftover tags between, you know, individual hunters and outfitters can right. sell their tags back. So right. theoretically, I'm hoping to draw uh, to be able to get one of those leftover Idaho tags. If I cannot, then I have two options, uh, Utah over the counter or Colorado over the counter. Mm -hmm. So that's where I'm at. I'm going elk hunting. Right. I know I'm going. I know that I'm going elk hunting. I just don't know what state just yet. Right. Um, after that, I'm going to boogie back to Iowa. And I'm going to try my fate at an early season bow opener, October 1st, mm -hmm. you know, whitetail in Iowa uh, on a private piece. And I'll hunt pretty hard for a couple weeks in Iowa. And then um, I drew a Kansas tag this year. I know that's sick. So, that's awesome. Yep. So I'll be heading out to Kansas to hunt with my friends over at Headhangers. 
you know, they make the European skull mount, yep. you know, bracket. So I'm going to go hunt with them on one of their private farms that they give, they've given me permission to, uh, to hunt on with them. And then I come back home and I'll be, you know, right in the Iowa rut. So right the thick of it. Yeah. Yeah. So if I still have that early season tag, then obviously trying to fill it during the rut. Um, if not, uh, I'll watch the rut from afar right. and probably go out and just film and photo, uh, Dude, how some sick deer would that running be? around. How sick would that be if you tag out early, right. And you get back yeah. to Iowa and you can actually just go out for the rut and just like watch the wildness. I know that would be, that'd be super awesome. But you know, Murphy's law, you know, what will happen. Yeah, exactly. Whatever I shoot early season, Iowa, I'll see something. I'll see some state record buck, you know, walk past me. And I don't have a tag at like 12 yards. Yeah. (laughs) It'll be like a chip shot, right? He'll, he'll bed down in the shooting lane (laughs) at 10, 12 yards for like three hours. I'll FaceTime you. I'll I'll do that. (laughs) Nice. And I'll be like, shoot me now. Right. Exactly. Throw your cell phone and maybe wrestle him. I mean, it might not be illegal to hog tie and take pictures with it, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I wish I could just drift it, but I mean, I, I'll just have to let him walk. Right. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Nice. So man, you got a full slate, man. You got a lot going on, dude. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. Of, that's a lot of hunts, man. You're going to be, you're going to be one tired dude. Come, come November. That's for, for sure. sure. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be a busy year. It's definitely the most ambitious season I've ever had. Uh, the only year I've ever had close to this was antelope, Kentucky whitetail and Iowa whitetail. Right. And so this year I'm throwing in Kansas and elk, you know, on top of that as well. So, right. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, I was definitely, I'm disappointed, um, uh, with Canada. Um, you and I've talked about, yeah. like, I just like Canada. Yeah. I mean, Canada's it's cool. Fun. Yeah, yeah. It's just a cool place. And, and, um, and, and hunting black bears, um, in Ontario is so much fun because what a great hunt to start this fall season off with, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, it's, it's super chill. It's laid back. You don't hunt mornings. You go out in the afternoons and right. You know, so, you know, in Kentucky velvet's kind of the same, but, um, but yeah, I mean, so instead my first hunt of the fall right out of the gate is going to be running around like a madman chasing antelope, right, just yeah. basically scaring antelope until I find <laughs> one that wants to let me shoot it. <laughs> right. Exactly. I mean, I think my, I'm not going to be traveling nearly as much. Um, I'm going to be hitting three States this year. Uh, Pen, you know, Pennsylvania, of course, you know, that's where everything will kind of start. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, uh, it'll just be around here. I don't think I'm going to get, make it back home to hunt any of like the private or my dad's piece or anything like that. I don't even have cameras on that right now. He's building a cabin. There's a lot of people there, a lot of commotion. I'm just nervous about having a bunch of cameras out there and maybe them getting lifted, you know, you know, I don't, I don't know the folks and he and I aren't around often enough to check on anything and stuff like that. So, and that with as much commotion as we're creating around there, it's like, I don't know that I don't know what the deer movement would be worth anyway. You know what I mean? So it's just, I figured rather than risk getting some stuff stolen and being mad about it, I'm just going to let it, let it be and probably not hunt it this year. Yeah. Um, And so it'll be all public around here. And then, um, second week of, or first week of November, I'll be headed to Missouri um, and be hunting public out there. And that one, I was hoping to get out and be able to go do a scout here at the end of August. And, you know, Chad and I may still end up going out there because we we're, we're planning to hunt Kansas next year. So our plan was to go out, scout Kansas, hang some cameras for next year right now, 
and then on our way back hit Missouri so I can do a quick scout of that for my hunt in November and then, you know, boogie back home. We were basically just going to do a red eye, like just go four or five days and just not sleep much, you know, but, (laughs) and it's just, you know, I just don't think it's just, I don't think it's in the cards. I think we both have a bunch of stuff going on in our schedules just aren't lining up. There's like a small window where we could possibly go do it. So it probably won't happen. So that whole hunt is just going to be a complete freelance hunt where I'm going to basically show up to a piece of public that I've never been to before and have seven days to try to figure it out. You know what I mean? So, and that's the, and that's the game plan. Yeah. So, but that's why, I, you know, put the trailer together. Cause I'm going to hop public pieces. If there's a lot of pressure at one or, you know, whatever the case is, and I'm not stuck on just one piece. I can move from, you know, from piece to piece if I need to. And then, yeah. I'll be hunting with Sylvester in an undisclosed uh, location, <laughs> um, which will be a cool hunt. That'll be the second week of uh, a second week in November. Um, and really looking forward to that. It's that one's going to be a harder hunt. Um, you know, it's going to be going to be challenging, but the caliber of deer that are there are going to be, that are going to be well worth it if one of us can run into one. So um, for sure. So that's kind of the plan. That's kind of the plan there, man. It's, I, I want to ask you, you know, I'll start and I'll, I'll tee this one up and then we'll move to move to you on this one. I, I wanted to see what your goals are for each state. So I'll give you what my goals are. You know, I, I think for me, I'm going to try my damn just to go three for three. Like I want to like go, I want to kill a buck early in PA. I want, and then I want to be able to make it to, you know, one of the other States, maybe even a little bit early in October and have a couple opportunities in, in one of the States. Um, yeah, but yeah. my goal is to try to kill three this year, one in each state. And I think, you know, for Pennsylvania, it's just, you know, uh, a mature deer. I, I don't have like a score in mind necessarily. It's like, if I find a three and a half year old and it gets me excited, I'm going to shoot it. Um, yeah. you know, just cause you know, three and a half year old deer around here, you know, um, you don't get four and a half year olds very often, put it that way. Right. So three and a half is probably what you're going to get on, on public. You know, we'll see what the trail cameras have to tell me once I get a chance to pull all of them, but that's kind of where I'm at with that. Missouri is, uh, the first Pope and young deer I see I'll stick, especially public land, not being able to scout it, having seven days, you know, it's like, if I find something that's 125 inches or bigger, I'm going to stick an arrow in it. You know, cause that's the, that's the goal is to try to bring, bring some, bring some meat back. And yeah. And then from there, the undisclosed location, that one's a little tricky <laughs> because of like, I know what's there, you know what I mean? And so I'd really like to, I'd really like to, I don't want to say hold out, but I'd really like to maximize the opportunity if you will. Um, yeah. But if I saw 130, 135, 140 inch deer, it would probably be hard for me to not, not shoot it just because that area hunts really, really hard. And seeing those deer, you're just not going to see a lot of deer. And that might be the only decent buck you see the whole time. Or you could have a world-class animal walk in front of you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's, it's, that's kind of how it is, you know? So I think for me, I'm a little on the fence with that one. Um, standards would probably be just a little bit higher than maybe Missouri. Um, but the opportunity there for it to be, uh, exponentially, you know, greater than that is, is certainly there. And I would, uh, I'd be ecstatic if that, if that ended up happening. But, uh, I think those right. are, I think those are my goals. And outside of that is just, you know, is to have a baller time. I got the, the trailer that I built. It's like, I'm going to live off the grid for a couple of weeks. It's like, I'm just, I'm pumped about that. And hopefully nothing, no flats happen or anything like that. That's my other goal is like no breakdowns. <laughs> yeah. But how about you, man? What are your, what are your goals for, uh, for each state? Oh man, I tell you, I mean, 
you know, right off the bat, Montana, I don't know that I'll duplicate my first trip out there. Um, I don't know that I'll shoot another Boone and Crockett antelope, right. you know, on public land. But, um, you know, I want to try to perfect my skill set on on antelope i really love that style of that spot and stalk and mm-hmm. it's like they're very short spot and stalks i mean yeah they can they can take a long time but ideally you know your your vehicle is like the most important thing mm-hmm. on that hunt in my opinion so just making sure that i go on high percentage stalks mm-hmm. and just take my time and enjoy myself out there and hopefully I'll get myself in a position where I can get a, you know, get an arrow off on, you know, on a, on a, on a good, uh, a good goat. Um, Kentucky, I've never killed a velvet buck. Right. You know, when I was a resident there, the season opened the second Saturday of the month. And so you might get a day, you might have two days tops, you know, to, to get on one. And then the first year that I moved to Iowa is when Kentucky went to the first Saturday of the month. I'm like, really? A bunch of jerks. Right. You know? <laughs> um, and the problem with Kentucky has always been if it can go wrong, it will go wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, I I was a full draw waiting for a buck to step out. Unbeknownst to me, I had a doe to the right of me that caught my scent and she blew. And the buck that I was uh, getting ready to release the arrow on never stepped out from behind that tree and he went back into the cover of timber and that was it hunt was over another year you had a coyote uh, the one year right that blew up the spot wasn't that one year yep yep yeah that well that wasn't um that was late season that was after uh, ata okay yeah, that's um, right. so it wasn't velvet but yeah again i watched a buck walk feed towards me across a field billy billy was actually filming with me that day and and we watched a buck come across the field 400 yards 300 yards 200 yards 100 yards 70 yards 50 yards and i'm like He's literally going to walk right up to the blind. You know what I mean? Right. We're going to shoot this thing at 10 yards and I'm re- already reaching for my bow and the whole entire field cle- clears out. And I looked over to my right and there's a coyote busting out of it at all. <laughs> cleared the whole field. I'm like, really? That was you know good, what I mean? That was like, a good gear too. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, you gotta be kidding me. So, um, then another year in Kentucky, I had a velvet buck dead to rights and I took too long on the shot. It's my fault. Gave the let the buck. He got a little too weary, and and when he went to preload to load out of there, and um, I for whatever reason instinct, I just thought for sure my arrow was going to be faster than he was, right. and it wasn't. I hit him in no man's land, and and I wasn't able to recover that deer. And um, like I said, I just if it can go wrong, it will go wrong. So. Right. I'm going to try to not psych myself out before I even get there. Um, but that's the goal for this year is to, you know, get a, get a velvet buck down. Yeah. Um, I'm not holding out for a 180. Right. First solid, respectable deer, mature deer that I get a crack at. I'm, I'm going to let an arrow fly. Um, elk. elk. I'm interested to see what you say here, just because you're, you're still even up in the air where you're going to be. I know. I know. Yeah. Don't even know where I'm going to be yet. Um, I always said that, you know, I've never been on an elk hunt before and which actually shocks some people when I tell them that, I guess they just assume that maybe I'd been elk hunting before, but I'm like, well, heavens, I hope I don't 
come off like I know anything about elk hunting because right. I don't. You know, I don't know <laughs> shit about it. I've never been a poser. I've never acted like I do. Right. But um, I always I see guys like yourself, and I've got my other buddy Ryan, and and lots of friends that I personally talk to about their elk adventures, and and these guys are running around, and I'm like, are you getting close? And they're like, oh, kind of. And I'm like, man. Mm-hmm. You're like you've been out there three, four times and you've never even, you know what I mean? I'm like, right. yeah, how is, I mean, I get it. It's tough. There's no doubt about it. But so I said, all right, here's the deal. The first year I go, I want to go with somebody who I can really learn from. Yeah. I don't care if I shoot one or not. Yep. I just want to go. And I mean, I want to have a tag and I want to have a bow right. just in case, uh, the same as I wouldn't want to go into a swarm of protesters without a pistol. You know what I mean? Like I want to, I want to go and be able to participate in the fun if need be. But, um, at the same time, I want to go with somebody who's very versed, um, and schooled in, in elk hunting that I can learn as much as I can from that first year. That's going to be the sole goal. So, um, a very good elk hunter and very successful. So, so that's kind of how that came about. Um, if I go to Idaho, he's there. If I go to Utah, he's there. If I go to Colorado, I'll be with my buddy Cass and Cass has been guiding elk hunts out there the last couple of years nice. and Cass has killed several elk himself. Right. Um, so I'm like, I'm covered. I, you know, I'm good. Yeah. I was like, you know, even my camera guy on this hunt is going to know more about the hunt than I do. Right. You know? Um, <laughs> Which, hey, I'm, I'm totally, you know, I'm totally cool with. That's yeah. what I want to do. I want to learn. So um, the goal, like I said, so my goal for elk hunting is to learn yeah. as much as I can this year. Um, which, I mean, that, you know, I think that's for both of us. Like every hunt we go on, we want to learn more than we learned the year before. But yeah. I'm totally green this year. So I'm trying to do everything I can physically, mentally, and gear wise Mm -hmm. to prepare myself for that. So I can have the best experience possible. Um, I don't want to be, I know I'm going to be flustered because there's going to be a lot of new things happening at once. Um, but like I understand the basics of spot and stock and playing the, the wind and the scent Mm -hmm. and that kind of stuff. It's just going to a new sandbox and learning how that terrain plays, you know, into that. Um, Kansas, I've never hunted Kansas. And out of all the hunts, that's to me, that's almost the least pressure hunt. You know what I mean? Uh, So I'm really looking forward to that one. I mean, in Montana, Mm -hmm. both of those are kind of low pressure hunts. Um, And then Iowa, you know, pressure cooker. It (laughs) constant because I live in Iowa. So because I live in Iowa, I'm supposed to shoot a pair of one eighties every single year. That's exactly. what you do. They're, if you live in Iowa, they're around every tree. They're, yeah. they're stacked behind. And that was, and you know, there was a lot of things about you coming to hunt Iowa that I, I, I enjoyed one. I got to spend time with you, but I really genuinely wanted to kind of see you struggle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> one, I know you can handle it. Right. Right. Yeah. And how bad would that have sucked if you came and shot a buck the first day, you know, you really wouldn't have got the experience, but I wanted you to see, damn, they're actually not behind every tree. Yeah. Yeah. No, they're and, and, and coming out there. It's like, I recognize that. Cause I, I talked to you often enough, obviously. Right. And, yeah. and it's just the, 
you know, the, the law of, you know, it's never as good as people say, never as bad as they say either, you know what I mean? And so it's, it, sure. it, it's that kind of idea where it's like, yeah, there's great deer there, you know what I mean? For sure. And there's, you know, there's more great deer there than in, in, in a lot of other places, Yeah. but they don't, they still don't get old by being stupid. And so right. to find a really good deer, it's like, you still got to know what you're doing. You still got to do things correctly, you know? Yep. And, um, it, you're not going to just luck your way into it. You know, I mean, some people do sure. You know what I mean? And there's maybe a yep. better percentage chance of that happening in, in certain areas of the country, but by and large, it's like, it doesn't happen that way. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, you still got to be able to put the work in. You still got to be able to like know what you're doing and, and hunt properly and hunt the wind and scout and understand what you're looking at and stuff like that. And so, you know, it's exactly. like, I, I get it, man. It's like, there's, uh, I mean, just, you know, it's, it's jealousy, right? People want, they want to, they want to yeah. have those things and they get mad if they don't. And so therefore it's easier for somebody else when there's some, when there's someplace else. And it's just, it's just not the case. Right. So, um, yep. and, and I struggled. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, it's uh, a, a couple swings and a miss and, uh, and, and that was, and that was that, but, uh, sweet man. So if, uh, so if you could plan your dream scenario for the year, what would it be? If I could plan my dream, what your dream scenario for the season, like if you could paint your own picture, even build your own buck, you could build your own buck. You could paint your own hunt, whatever it is like you, if you could have all your dreams come true on a hunt, like what would it be? Um, even though Kentucky is my unicorn, Mm -hmm. um, I want to be successful in elk season. Yeah. I hear that. So, you know, I can't wait to get the text from you whenever you have one at like 40 yards, you know, and, it bugles and it's screaming my... at you and it's just roaring through your chest. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where you're just like, it feels like a freight train. You're just like, Oh my God, I felt that. It's like whenever you're at a rock show and uh-huh. like, it's the loudest band you've ever heard. And whenever they hit that open note or that open chord, and it makes your balls yep. shake a little bit. You know what I mean? You're like, oh, oh yeah. It's like, it's going to be a good night. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's what I'm waiting for. Cause that's what, that's the experience that I had. Like the one, the elk that we ended up killing, you know, my buddy ended up shooting, but we were both at full draw. And I've told this story before, but like he bugled at us at like 25 yards, just like staring at us and just like ripped a bugle. Like, and they're just like, when you're that close to them and you hear that, you're like, that thing is a dinosaur. Like that's yeah. what it looks like with the crazy antlers and shit, you know, and the way they, the way they're, you know, they, they, they call and the, and the, and the vocalizations that they make, it just, it sounds prehistoric and they look prehistoric, you know what uh-huh. I mean? It's just, so, so what, what would that dream setup be? I didn't mean to cut you off. Um, the pre-roll, yeah. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'll take it however it happens, but if I was to paint a picture of the perfect hunt and, and I'm going to, and, and if I go with elk, then it is going to be hear the bugles respond to the bugles, you know, cut the distance cow call, you know, maybe cow call or not, but um, you know, that bull starts to transition into the area that I'm into mm-hmm. And I want to see that presentation. I want to see that rack crest, you know what I mean? Crest the hill or crest behind trees. And like I said, you get that, the big reveal, the big presentation of that. Um, 
I'll do anything if it's slightly chilly and there's some steam coming from his nostrils. Oh yeah. Um, That's the and good, then just, yeah. And then to have him step out and turn broadside and then to, you know, to watch, to watch a lighted knock, you know, find its mark. I mean, that, um, that would be the ultimate because when I think of, um, how magical all of that is and how just sheer awesomeness, raw, badass a bull elk is, mm-hmm. that's the thing that comes to mind mm-hmm. is steam from the nostrils and seeing that humongous set of antlers. Um, that that's what I picture. So I'm yeah. like, that's how I want my hunt to go too. you yeah, know, hundred percent, man. I think for me, I have two kind of dream scenarios. One is from the ground over that scrape ghillie jacket nestled in the nestled in like the high grass. There's a deer yep. we had in velvet in that general area that was last year. We had him on camera during the rut and during late season in this, on this particular piece. And he was as an eight point, really tall eight point. He was probably pushing like one fifty ish. And mm-hmm. we have velvet. We have pictures of him in velvet this year. And he's just a freak like his mass and like how, how, how long he is already, you know, I think we had pictures in June and he was already looking like he was going to be a freak. And, uh, yeah. And, uh, that one on the ground, or there's one that was probably just over Boone last year in this other, other little pinch. And uh-huh. there's like just a sweet little saddle setup where he'd be crest in this area. Like we did some manipulation of like down brush to kind of like the trail that he, like they all were coming in on to hit this scrape. There was two different ways they could go and to get them to get broadside in front of this one opportunity, just kind of put some deadfall in the way. So they would have to make that loop around to get to the scrape ultimately, and then cross over into this other, into this other bench. And the dream scenario would be that particular deer with more inches on him this year, roll up over that, take that little route and be standing broadside. Like I think it was 18 yards at the scrape hitting a licking branch and zip an arrow through him. Those are the two. That's like my, my dream setups. So, but man, I know you want to get out and do some glass and brother, I don't want to keep you. I want you to, I want you to go find some velvet, some velvet deer. So I think we're going to go ahead and wrap this thing up. But before we do that, people should be checking out the arrow wide YouTube channel. You got some new videos up. I know they should be checking out bourbon barrel calls. You got some new good, good out. I know you got, a grunt call, right. That we can talk that you, we can mention. I don't know if we can mention the other one, but if- yeah, yeah, we can. Okay. Cause by the time this airs, it'll be, it'll be live. Okay. Yep. So we've got a uh, bourbon barrel calls. We have a new, um, we're dabbling in the waterfowl. So there's a new single reed, a reed duck call. And there's also a goose call, um, that are going to be launching here. Uh, but like I said, by the time this airs, um, they'll be, they'll be live. So, yeah, be sure to check those out. We can still do the same customized stuff with the laser engraving, and there's some different colors and stuff that we're going to do this year. A little bit of a do some collegiate themed calls as well. Yeah, nice. so pretty pretty cool stuff. Um, going to start off with Kentucky Wildcats and Iowa Hawkeyes, you know, to start off with, and then we're uh, I think the next one, uh, number three, we're going to do a Husker, nice. you know, call. Yeah, uh, but uh, but. Again, uh, when will this air? Before the end of the month? Yeah, this will go out, uh, what's the 23rd? Let me look at the calendar really quick. I can tell you. It will go out. Actually, no, it'll be like August 6th. This one will go out, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, then, if you did vote for me in the Carbon TV Carbon Awards, then thank you. Yes, yes. And if, and if you didn't and I lose, then I'm very mad at you. <laughs> We're no longer friends. <laughs> 
Nice, brother. Well, I'll let you get going, man. Yep. Make sure to follow Johnny Utah Creative, Johnny Utah uh, on Instagram, Arrow Wild on Instagram. Just give him a bunch of love. He's my brother from another mother. Johnny, by God, bucked up, full rut Utah. We're out. All right, folks, that is a wrap for today's show. I'd like to thank all of you for listening. If you haven't yet, please head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Hell, while you're at it, head over to YouTube and give us a sub there as well. I'd be super appreciative if you do those couple things for me. And before I shut this thing down, I need to give a big shout-out to our partners who continue to help us make this podcast possible. Tethered, Exodus Outdoor Gear, Skull Brew Coffee Company, and Maven Optics. And until next time... We'll see y'all. All right, gang, the new Truth merch is in stock at truthfromthestand.com and on YouTube below any of the Truth From The Stand videos. I've got some new hats, beanies, t-shirts, long sleeve t-shirts, and sweatshirts. There's even a new do hard shit hat for those of us who like to embrace microdosing adversity. So head to truthfromthestand.com and check out the new gear and use the code TRUTH, T-R-U-T-H, and save yourself some cash on the new gear.